0: Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on Newstalk. You can email us business at newstalk.com, but first let's have a look at the main international business stories in the newspapers and websites, which we shall do in the stupendous company of Russ Mould from AJ
1: Bell. Good morning, Russ. I don't know what to say to that, Joe, but it's very flattering. Thank you very much, and good morning to you, and good morning to you all. Do
0: you know what I'm going to call you? I'm going to call you the postman from now on, Russ, because <laughs> you always deliver.
1: Well, that's very flattering. My dad was a postman before he retired, so he'll be very pleased to hear that too. Well, sure. a
0: warm a warm hello to Mr. Mould out there. Thank uh, you. I doubt he's listening. Um, let's start with a story in uh, Euronews about natural
1: gas prices. They've collapsed. I mean, yeah. if you look at the Dutch TTF, which was the, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that price went to €350 Euros per megawatt hour, and that was what caused... Mass panic in so many ways, putting pressure on domestic household bills, industrial energy bills. You know, the UK government over here was having to subsidize energy bills for households. So that over here, euros. too. Yeah. 350 euros. Now to you, Joe, 25 euros per oh, megawatt hour. Oh, so oh, that was oh. absolutely. So that's a, a huge help to government finances, to households, to businesses. So why has it happened? I guess is the first question. We've had a couple of mild winters, and we've had a pretty mild one. It's very wet and windy outside my window in Brighton right now. It's still mild. Mm. Um, there's been, so that, and Europe has adapted well, built up high stockpiles, new sources of supply such as Qatar, big new liquefied natural gas terminals in Germany, for example, and also the mainland European economy just hasn't been doing very much. So that, that means that there's overall demand has, has, has gone down, and households have adapted and, and, and changed their energy consumption. So that's all meant that supply has started to recover, Demand has generally been a little bit down, and that's the magic combination. There's also been more use of wind and solar. So the big question now is, does it stay here, or are we exposed to future energy shocks? Now, if I had the answer to that, I promise I'd tell you. You'd get down to paddy power pretty quick. <laughs> I would, but what I would say is, you know, the European economy is flat on its back at the minute. Mm. It should, at some stage, get better, which will increase demand. It still doesn't isn't self-sufficient in natural gas. Mm. America is now keeping more of the stuff for itself. And if, heaven forbid, anything ever went, you know, there was a big conflagration, an even bigger conflagration in the Middle East than all we have now, mm. anything can still happen. But at the moment, that's a huge economic benefit to a lot of European consumers and businesses.
0: And talking about uh, energy and uh, the the change, the the conversion away from fossil fuels, I see the second-hand value of Tesla cars in America have fallen like a stone.
1: They've halved. And, you know... I- intriguingly so was tesla's share price over the last two or three years um i guess there are several issues at work here i mean tesla's now producing more of the things there's more competition Mm. and also if you look at when those those tesla's second-hand prices went up in 2021-22 when you know supply chains were brittle broken there was a big Consumers have got money in their pocket from furlough schemes or, and, and, and they weren't maybe going to, you know, they weren't commuting to work as much. So those people who were in white-collar jobs could work from home were actually getting a bit of a boost, quite frankly. So there was a big surge in demand for second-hand cars because people couldn't get the claws on, 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 on brand-new ones. Mm. And since then, interest rates have gone up, consumer spending has come a little bit under the cosh. And also, as we've just been discussing, your electricity bill has gone up, which if you're running an electric car and charging it at home, is, is something that's going to focus the mind. So I think there's a combination of different issues there. Um, uh, and, and ultimately, yeah, the, 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 there are more of these cars out there and their second-hand value is going down. And also, if you do get a Tesla, I've got friends who've got them mm. trundling around Brighton, insuring them, that's really expensive. Oh, said, any,
0: it, why is it so expensive?
1: It's really expensive because if somebody bumps into you, the wait for parts and the queue to get parts uh. is extremely long and it's extremely expensive. So, the uh. insurers are slightly fighting shy of the EV market, even when obviously we're all hoping to be, you know, em- embracing these things that are going down the road.
0: Uh, and I, I see another uh, piece of information that BYD, the Chinese company, they're pushing down uh, the battery costs for lithium batteries. Um, they were 110 euros per kilowatt hour in February last year. And they're heading for 40 euros uh, now. It's, again, it's all part uh, of that bigger picture.
1: It, it is. And the lithium price has gone down by, I think, 80% from its peak. Because, again, you know, the, human ingenuity being what it is, you know, high prices, the, what's the best cure for high prices? Well, it's high prices because it stimulates <laughs> more supply. <right? laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with, with, with natural gas. What's the best cure for low prices? Well, it's low prices because you've now got big American natural gas producers saying, "Well, we're not going to produce as much this year because it's not worth the bother." So, again, you can you can never say that these things stay the same forever, right?
0: No, absolutely not. Um, now, Berkshire Hathaway—they've been around for decades, and the boss Warren Buffett has been around for millennia. But <laughs> the sounds of things, um, he, for the first time, he, he's usually quite bubbly and optimistic. Uh, um, about stock market returns, but he's less optimistic in his annual report this year, I would have thought.
1: He is. I mean, I guess missing his long-term business partner, Charlie Munger, who passed away last year at 99, may have a little bit to do with that. But he did say that the the era of eye-popping gains for Berkshire Hathaway is is over. Mm. And he said, and I guess there are two or three factors at work here. One is the sheer size of the company. So if you think it's got $354 billion in shareholdings, $168 billion in cash, so you're needing to do something really, really big just to move the dial. The second thing that it does suggest is that he's finding it really, really hard to, to find the value that he looks for. He doesn't like, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he likes paying fair prices for things, not big prices for things. You know, I think what did he say famously? Whether it's stocks or socks, I like to buy good value things marked down. He's
0: the same um, car for the last twenty years, even yeah, though he's a go. multi-billionaire.
1: And so I think he's having trouble finding cheap stocks. And I think that's part of the problem. And if you look at the, sh- you can run a share price, if you like me, of Berkshire Hathaway's cash pile by quarter against the S&P 500 stock index in America by quarter. And the market goes up, the cash pile goes up because he thinks, well, things are getting more expensive. I'm not buying. Soon as the market goes down, he starts buying and the cash pile goes down. Mm. So it may be partly comment on the size of his portfolio, but it may also be coming like out the fact he just thinks the US stock market is pretty expensive right now. And he's actually, notably, he and his colleagues, uh, Todd Coombs and Ted Weschler, have been selling stocks in the past 12 months, even their shelling an apple, intriguingly enough.
0: I wonder, is it a canary in the coal mine type moment?
1: He's, he's a pretty shrewd guy. And if you run that chart against, again, that chart is generally pretty telling. And I think it is suggesting to us all that we need to be a little bit, I know we're all getting very excited about AI and NVIDIA and da-da-da-da, but we need to be a little bit careful, I think, yes.
0: And very briefly, Jim Ratcliffe, who now owns 27% of Man United, he's been uh, highly critical of the EU from his uh, offshore Monaco pile.
1: Yeah, he's getting very frustrated with um the the, the Green Deal that Europe is pushing, and we have just talked a little about that with natural gas. He's yeah. trying to get a four billion euro petrochemical plant built in Antwerp where his business is based. And he's had a challenge from you no know, fewer than fifteen non-government organizations over the environmental impact, the construction issues, and he's getting pretty upset with that, saying I under you know, saying, Look, there's gonna be short if you want to meet the Green Deal in Europe. For the long-term ecological gain, there is going to be short-term economic pain, and don't forget it.
0: Oh yeah, well, you should try build a wall in Dublin and get fewer than a dozen objections. Uh, Ross, thank you so much for your time and your expertise, Ross Mulder, the director at AJB. Breakfast business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.